Good morning, Misfits. You are tuning into another episode of the Misfit Podcast, full goon squad in the house. We would like to welcome you to the open wrap-up podcast, especially if you are listening to this, watching this live on YouTube right now. If you do have comments or questions throughout this podcast and you are live, feel free to type some stuff in and maybe Ted will tell us what you're talking about. Because this is a live podcast, podcast. we're going to blast through sponsors. Um <laughs> This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Proper Fuel. You can head to properfuel.co and use the code word MISFIT to save on all of your orders. And it is a larger discount than it oh. used to be. Sure. Um, we plan, we fully plan on competing with the new proper ambassadors to see if we can bring the heat that they do. And if you want to be one of those ambassadors, you can head to properfuel.co forward slash join the pack. We're also brought to you by Sharpen the Axe. You can head to sharpentheaxeco.com. I would wait, potentially, shooting myself in the foot. I'm going to do it anyways. I would wait until spring cleaning, which is coming up pretty damn soon here. Entire site. We only do this three times a year. Entire site will be at a large discount. Um, Use the code word Kiala, K-E-A-L-A. You save 10%. We donate 10% to the Kiala Foundation. And guess what? You're watching the Misfit Athletics podcast. You should head to MisfitAthletics.com and sign up for programming. All right. All right. All right. Let's do the leaderboards all first right. and then get into the nitty gritty. All right. All right. All right. We are going to go ladies first. This is the top 20 women <clears throat> of the Misfit Athletics leaderboard. Paige Semenza, Caroline Connors, Hannah Hardy, Ashley Corby, Alexis Johnson, Marissa Nichols, Shaylin Lore, Sonia Mori, Miriam Hazlitt, Allison Carly, Sophie Shaft, Lexi Colabianchi, Rachel Cannon, Alex Mueller, Jessica Donahue, Lindsay Lee, Christina Colvin, Blair Cheney, Caroline Wolfel, and Francesca Horez. <sighs> who wants the honors? Let's see who wins some free stuff. Time. What do we get? What are they getting this time? Same prize pack? Email Jen? Yeah. Huge. J-E-N-N. And, and the winner is... Rachel Cannon. Rachel Cannon. Congratulations. congratulations on being in the top 20 on the Misfit leaderboard, and congratulations on your prize. Email Jen, J-E-N-N, at MisfitAthletics.com with your address and your sizes so we can get a prize pack out to you. I'll be sure to now, let her know. <laughs> we have the Misfit men. There's a couple of boys in here, but we'll get to that. Um, What's that mean? Luka Jukic, Marshall Creed, Roy Gamboa. Austin Spencer, Brent Proctor, Sam Colthart, Brad Miller, Brody Scott, the young man, Pebble Wood, the young man, Sherb, (laughs) Gage Barone, Alex Carrillo, Ryan Bretag, Ross Bradley, Holly Holgerson, Xander, Tony Lozano, Chris Colvin, Eric Libardoni, and Zachary Fowler. Congratulations on being in the top 20 Misfit Leaderboard. Cheer. I wasn't talking to you. I was talking to the other 18. Talking to me, right? Is it you? Congratulations on finishing the open. I did it. Chris Colvin. Congratulations. Chris Colvin. Congratulations on being in the top 20 and on your prize. Email J-E-N-N at MisfitAthletics.com with your sizes and your address so we can get the prize out to you. Guy, you're not going to win some surfboard wax. Relax over there. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Big picture, overall thoughts, programming. That was fun. 
I had a good time. I think the uh, the ode to let's make sure everyone can participate and bring the community together and really kind of check those boxes was really well done. And I also thought that there were tests that were appropriate for determining the next stage. I've been around on the uh, social medias and some of the YouTube channels from other folks that don't necessarily don't agree necessarily that there's, oh, there's too much jumping. Or there's too much pulling from the floor. What'd hinging, you say I like, fell asleep? Exactly. It's a fitness <laughs> test. I thought we had three good fitness tests. I thought they had different you know ranges of capacities and they kind of catered to different athletes. So I thought for what it was supposed to be, which is, again, is an inclusive fitness event that did a nice job this year. Yeah, I think macro overview is that the three weeks of the open did what they were supposed to, which is provide you know, 99% of us with a good test of overall fitness where folks got to, you know, play from with what we'll obviously go through with like kind of different stimuli, different strengths and weaknesses, uh, that sort of thing. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of athletes out there who might be disappointed with either the with with whatever maybe lack of a heavy like a true like lift sort of thing like we saw in 21.4 last year but um again like macro view for 99 percent of us good test good three workout tests that should indicate to a lot of people where your fitness level is at and what things you can do to get better at um and then for the other one percent that's kind of where it, again, did what it was supposed to and move you on to the quarterfinals. So I think people if people who are disappointed need to remember that this is a when we reduce the number of tests in the open, we there's there's automatically a give and take, right? We can't possibly, it's very difficult to program three workouts that completely encompass one's entire fitness level, um, which I think is a large part of the reason there are so many like athletes who can move on to the quarterfinals who are interested in doing so. And, and now you get, you know, an additional, at least five, maybe more tests to, to prove where you're at. Yeah. I think, I think to help some people sort of shift their perspective a little bit, we can nitpick at what this was. We didn't have a max lift. We didn't necessarily have sort of that overhead handstand push-up kind of vibe in there. But if you are either upset with where you finished because you wanted to be on page one, page two, or you didn't make it to quarterfinals, you don't want to live in a world where your wheelhouse has to show up for you to get to where you want to go. So you want to be the athlete that says, okay, I am going to make it so that in the next year... I am going to attack all of these things and be able with these tests to come out the other side and be where I want. And there's something, you know, with the, 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 the karma of it all and the, you get what you put in, probably going to get your handstand pushups next year, might get your max lift back. And then your other tests are better than they would have been. And you get that wheelhouse thing. So if you are of the mindset that it's, it's not fair it needs to be heavier or it needs to be more gymnastics or that was too many deadlifts, whatever those things are, a perspective shift of I can really move the needle on those things. And then if my wheelhouse shows up, then I really get to show off, I think is how an athlete's going to be able to, you know, really make a serious change within the next year. It's been ingrained in CrossFit since the beginning, though, like the idea that you need to be ready for any sort of thing that comes down the pike, like you have to be prepared for a test like this. I mean, we heard these same arguments being made when there was no concept two in the open and then there was only dumbbells in the open and there's only dumbbells at regionals like the athletes that prepare themselves appropriately hit all the stimuli, make sure they check all the boxes, what they need to be doing year in and year out. They're going to be represented at quarterfinals just the way they're supposed to is I 
would be very, I'd be put a challenge out there. Could someone prove to us that like someone who belongs in quarterfinals was not able to make it through this open appropriately because these tests, again, I think were very balanced across a different type of stimuli, time domains, and just accurate tests of fitness. I, I can't think of anyone who could come up with an argument that's like, you forgot this. Yeah. And I mean, and any, have a justifiable like, argument. Any, 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 if you're making the argument that you would have otherwise been significantly higher on the leaderboard had there been a heavy barbell, that should just be indicative to you of your, of what you need to work on. Like, again, it's a test of fitness. Right. It's not, you know, you got, and I would, I would argue like for, it would be, it would maybe it's obviously a little different than like a heavy, heavy lift or a complex or something like that. But, a hundred reps at two twenty-five with a deadlift in ten minutes, and like an increasing an increasing thruster weight that's not not insignificant for for you know kind of the the quarterfinals level athlete. Like how many people did we see get buried by that? It's like it's like you can't. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, me too. But it's like I'm gonna make the argument that there wasn't a heavy barbell, but you got buried by the heavy barbell in the in the metcon. Sure. It's like, hmm, yeah. We're definitely, you know, I don't want to speak for the entire world, but here in the United States, we're definitely a society of, of overcorrectors and we, we see something happen. That's a bit of a shift. And we think that that's now our new reality in our new world. And that's why at Misfit Athletics, we have very specific rules around how we program so that we also don't overcorrect because, you know, I mean, you guys specifically are invested in this sport you know on a bit more of a personal level than myself but when i'm so invested in the misfit athletics community at large i could be pulled into an idea of okay we need to move the needle here and then leave certain things behind so there's there's a reason why we program the way that we do because it has sort of built-in protection against overcorrecting and we program very specifically three rotating styles of metcons and intervals throughout the year. And we got all three, you could argue pretty easily. We got all three during the open. So, um, we program cardio workouts event one where, you know, name of the game is transitions. And then hopefully there is one movement in there that allows you to create the governor for the workout, which was the box jump overs, the open test that we did. You know, we made it the rower, but we need that movement where we can sort of throttle things. You know, Hunter at, at training camp did a good explanation of um, was it natural cadence versus individual, individual cadence. cadence. Um we then move into um, what we found out for most athletes to be a gas tank workout um, with the deadlift burpee. I think a lot of athletes probably thought that it was going to be a bit more muscle endurance. Um, it wasn't. Uh, you know, we obviously <laughs> had some athletes who anatomically, you know, are, are in a position where, you know, with you know, mobility issues, their lower back did light up, but typically didn't see them flying through the burpees the second that they put the barbell down. So um, that was very much a gas tank workout. Um, and I think you guys would agree just in terms of actually experiencing that. That was terrible. Yeah, I think it, I think that's one of those. I think the first one was definitely a cardio workout for, for a much larger proportion of people. The, you know, the second workout depends on what level we're obviously talking about. Someone right. who actually is like, Hey, that, that deadlift is actually going to get really heavy for me to the point where I need to like, I need to stop talking right. more kind of at the affiliate level, but yeah, it's, uh, 
you know, that that weight of deadlifts, if it was even a little bit heavier, then we might be going in a different direction. But I think right. that the volume of both movements is more just like, can you do 100 of each in less than 10 minutes? And if so, how much under 10 minutes can you do it? Right. And then the final one, um, I think on paper, a lot of people probably thought gas tank. Um, you got to be at the, you know, so we sort of also talk about how eventually you you want this to all funnel down into everything being cardio for you. That's the like ultimate expression of a, of a CrossFit athlete. Um, this workout is definitely that. Like if this was cardio or gas for you, you are on a very, very special level. You are the tip of the spear. Um, it's pretty gnarly on the upper body, which which I thought was fun because it stayed dynamic. I think that's like... I think that's what made the workout special is a lot of workouts that are muscle endurance that do take up a lot of, of upper body, um, still very hip driven movements still, you know, obviously jumping in the double unders. So you have these movements that slowly sort of build into that place. And if you didn't play it right, your thrusters bar muscle ups were a huge problem. Yeah. I think of this as like, a kind of something else we talked about at camp like this definitely blurs the line and also very depends on very much depends on your level but the combination of you know time under tension kind of a grip a grip intensive sort of workout even though like thrusters aren't you know they're obvious obviously there's a grip element but it's like a you know big range of motion gymnastics aren't necessarily at a volume that are like prohibitive for a lot of people but Again, we saw if you were somebody who was like strategizing to the point where it's just like, I need to make sure that when I get to my bar muscle ups, they don't fall apart or I need to make sure that I still have the legs to get through that thruster at the end. That's a muscle. That's kind of like that's indicative that it's a muscle overload. It's kind of a fatigue management sort of thing for you, which is what we, you know, we had to do when we were watching Caroline and Paige. It was like, I need to there despite the fact that they broke their bar muscle ups once did, you know, 10 and five or nine and six, whatever it was, that was still very much a, like this, this is how I can go as fast as possible. It wasn't, right. we need to break this up because otherwise I'll fail. It's, I need to get the best score possible. Right. So for the, the elite level folks, but it definitely there. wasn't their gas tank there. Right. Like, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was, it was an element of just like it there was, that was more of a strategic thing right. versus, yep. versus anything else. So yeah. So the open is over. Um, we are quickly jumping into quarterfinals, but there are a lot of athletes. Um, I think that need to sort of get into the mindset already, even if they did qualify for quarterfinals of the, you know, sort of the win or learn, like, like what did you take away from this? Um, I saw a common theme with a lot of athletes. I saw athletes prove to themselves that they had developed what we were trying to develop all year with the first workout with 22.1. And then they decided anyways to, you know, put the helmet on and load into the cannon and get shot out of it at the beginning of number two, um, at 22.2 and proof that you have more robust energy systems means less deviation throughout your workout. Like if you're a power athlete and you don't have a lot of your energy systems and you do need to get out to a, to, you know, you need the hot start or you need to be able to stomp the gas pedal at the very end. As you get more and more fit, the idea would be that we can smooth these things out and we can know that, Hey, I am going to jump, you know, it it is a shorter workout and I do want to jump above threshold, but then I'm staying there. 
You know what I mean? I'm riding the lightning throughout this entire workout. And I think we saw too many athletes prove to themselves how fit they were in 22.1 and then ignore that information and in 22.2. Them into doing, it, doing a different strategy in 22.2 that obviously didn't pay off. And that's one of the take-homes I had from the open, having done the second and third workout twice, just based on the performance on Thursday, I wasn't really happy with how I did and, you know, tried to use the mentality of want to learn, like definitely didn't win. So I learned some and thought the strategy of potentially hanging up, breaking up the barbell, like Hunter said, and we, and we too thinking that, Oh yeah, the devil, this might blow me up and slow down the burpees. Like that wasn't my place to do it. Cause my burpees are going to be slow regardless. So, Hey, hang on to the barbell here because that is your strength in this workout. And that's kind of where you can kind of maybe get ahead, but still live below that threshold pace. Um, and then the, the last workout kind of the similar, similar vein went into it was a bit of a gassy stimulus. Don't get me wrong. Like hanging out of the pull-up bar wasn't very fun. My bar muscles definitely fell apart, but learning to be just below that threshold and the retest for 22.3 allowed me to go a little bit faster on the retest. And again, this is, you know, people were asking, should I retest the open workouts? And you know, the conversation I have with a lot of athletes is that if, if it's a, just a, like a pride thing, like, Oh, I'm, I can be better. This is not who I am. Like, that's not really a good enough reason. But if you were like, Hey, maybe my strategy was wrong or I want to make, make myself proud because I think I can do better than that. Like, that's a good reason, but realize that that takes away from the ability to train other things that you might be, you know, preparing for quarterfinals or semifinals. Cause there's athletes that are, you know, I wouldn't say automatic shoe-ins for semifinals, but are good, pretty high-level quarterfinal performers. It's just not a good use of their time to go back and do that workout again, even if it means that Again, they're not on page number one of the open leaderboard. So I, I, th I think the open is a great time for you to put things into practice that are like um, lessons for later on, but don't get caught in the trap of trying to be on the top of the leaderboard. Because again, those people that are trying to advance the later parts of the season, I wouldn't say it doesn't matter, but there's a lot less on the line with the open as there has been historically. I think one of the biggest things athletes should take away from the three weeks of the open is based on their first go at the workout. And what I mean is like, I, I'm, I'm personally, I, I personally like the, the idea of athletes only getting to do workouts once. I think that, I think the, like pretty much everybody will, I, w I would say it is, there's a much higher probability that you will do better in the second, the second time you do a workout, regardless of whether your fitness has improved or not. Right. Like you can just see that from Mon like, you know, third Friday to Monday, it's like athletes get significantly better scores. And obviously there was no physiological change over those 48 the lower hours. Your athlete IQ is to the, the more you can. Improve. Exactly. That's <clears throat> the other thing too. It's like, if I, if you look at that workout and you don't have kind of the, the athlete IQ, the ability to kind of analyze the workout whether that's like you know figuring out how long a round's going to take or referring back to an old training piece that you might have done to get an idea of where you're at that to me that's just like hey you need to be taking more kind of diligent notes or just paying a little bit closer to attention because one thing that like that s seriously separates kind of the best from the kind of the rest is the fact that like in quarterfinals, there's a decent chance you'll only get to do one of these workouts once or the the way that they're structured will force you to do, you know, one workout early on. And like, how is that going to impact you for the rest of the weekend? And I think there's a lot to be said about People athletes also who are, sandbag workouts when they know that they get to do it again. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I think that's like, yeah, I think that's just kind of indicative of a of an immature athlete. Ike from an IQ perspective of just like, how do I attack this correctly based on like what I know about the workout and what I know about my own fitness level. And if it's always the same story of I got shot out of a cannon, I didn't learn, I didn't learn. It's like, man, how, how many, how many of those, how many of those instances do you need to kind of figure that out?
Right. Um, so if you won, you know, congratulations. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you went out and put the work in, if you developed your athlete IQ over the course of an entire season, you know, we're, we're here to tip our caps to you. That's, that's what we're chasing the entire season. And then if you did not do, there you go, top it off, dump the, dump the coffee out on the table. Um, right on my phone. (laughs) If you didn't, then, then that's okay because we're, you know, sort of chasing that evolution the entire time, but you are once again, delivered with a mountain of data. And so to speak, the, the writing is on the wall. Now, if you are not good at being honest with yourself, hopefully you have a, a friend like Hunter um, who will sit down honest. with you and let you know exactly uh, not like it. <laughs> exactly <laughs> what <primed>. just happened. <laughs> um, but the athlete IQ comes back into play. It's it's definitely a framework that I, I sort of, um, I don't know. I feel like there are little kids toys where you put something in one end and it has to do this crazy journey through a bunch of different stuff. And then it comes out the other side of something else, you know, sort of like the Willy Wonka type shit. That's, that's, we're, we're, we're putting a scenario into the athlete IQ and then we're spitting something out the other side. And that framework to me fits so well with the open mind body experience body is, did you develop your energy systems? Did you take care of yourself outside of the gym? Did you work on your skill? Like that is a, that's a very big thing. And I think a lot of athletes are still there. They're still stuck in that spot. Um, but it's then like on the, the most obvious, I think probably the most obvious of probably sure. those three things that would jump right. out at you. If you don't have those things checked off, like it's going to be very apparent early on, like, right. oops, I made a mistake. Yeah. Your workout scores weren't great before the open. And it turns out they also weren't great during the open. <laughs> um, and then we have someone like Sherb we can use as a strong example where he in the next year and then in the next couple of years, as he starts to think about chasing, uh, you know, a master's situation, he is more on the mindset and strategy side, which is your experience and your mind. Um, take the time to like dig into this stuff, like really take the time to ask yourself, where am I currently at? Where do I want to be? And what information did I just get from the open? And hopefully you qualified for quarterfinals. Um, but even if you didn't qualify for quarterfinals, we are about to, as, as an entire community do quarterfinals, no matter where you're at currently, because again, we can glean more information. That's more data. That's more, you know, I want to be here and this is what it would have been like if I'm there, do I really want to be there already? Or should I, you know, get my shit together first, that sort of thing. So please take the time to evaluate where you're currently at and what you can do to move forward. Um, if you are newer to this podcast, I really would recommend going back and listening to the Athlete IQ episode um, just to give yourself, again, the the three points of the triangle and to really dig into what that means to you and what you can do within each spot to, to really move the needle forward. Uh, something I don't particularly historically like doing is watching myself go back and exercise, mostly because like, I don't have much of free time that I want to sit there and watch myself do like deadlifts and burpees. But, you know, having, having thought Allegedly. about, <laughs> having thought about the second open workout and knowing that like, I probably should have hung onto the barbell for the deadlifts, knowing that I need the time to be able to do those burpees to be able to finish that workout. You go back and like, I go back and watch it and just watch body language. And like, nothing was different between the way I did the first set of the bigger sets of deadlifts and how I did the second one. So, and when I was going into that retest, it was all right. Like, if you don't look any different, having taken a whatever six second rest, why not hang onto the barbell and try to buy those six seconds to move maybe 
slower through burpees, but get them done. And that's the kind of information I think you're saying like, it's hard to take, you know, you put it in one end of a machine and it goes through a bunch of hoops and loops and comes out something completely different that that's a hard connection to make, but that's where most of the good, like athlete IQ stuff comes from is being able to recognize that like, yeah, a deadlift today might feel like a deadlift. And then how do I take that same pulling stimulus and relate it to a power clean workout? Or how do I relate it to like how I'm going to feel when I have to do like these rowing intervals with a moderate uh, distance and duration. And like how that makes my body feel is a really important part of the athlete IQ and recognizing like, you know, one of the things I thought you said was really interesting after the uh, third open workout was, you know, I know if I don't go to muscular failure that I'm going to stay below my threshold and that's going to allow me to stay moving longer. I don't think a lot of athletes think about stuff like that. And that to me was a very interesting point because, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Like in my body, I can feel it, but I've never like verbalized that or put that out there. And I was like, that's actually a really smart way to think about that. If you don't get to the point where you pass your threshold line, then you're not going to be stuck in that red, you know, redlining zone where you can't drop your heart right until the workout's over. And like, maybe you don't understand what that means in terms of something like 21.3, but you all know what that feels like in Murph. If you decide to do your, you know, you run your mile, you do your whatever, hundred pull-ups and then you feel good. So you jack out 25 push-ups. What happens directly after that? You just can't stay moving. And it's again, this is muscle endurance versus cardio, so to speak, or gas tank. But those are the type of connections you need to be able to make between how things go and realizing like, Again, you are scored on your whole body of work, not were you the fastest one to do the, you know, the 10 deadlifts in the beginning of the workout. Yeah, I, I think I think one lens that people could look at it through that might be less threatening, the sort of a, a peeking inside of the door of being vulnerable, which all athletes need to do eventually, is either from my point of view, the lens is I look at you two and I know that if I am there and can pay attention to what you're doing, that I can move the needle on what your score is, whether it's no, 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 you need to go now or what the strategy is. If it's Hunter, I don't need to be in the same country and he's mm. going to be able to get what he's supposed to get within that workout. So if you are the coach, you would look at it from that perspective. And if you are the athlete and you're like, I need this person here and this person here and this person's going to tell me my strategy and this person's going to do this like there's a pretty good chance that we do need to shift over to that side of you need to figure out your mindset and how to strategize mm. i think i think there's a lot of athletes where you could help them shave significant amounts of time off of their workout by doing that. And then I think there are athletes who it's a luxury to have that person there and they can, you know, like in 22.1, you can say that was an extra second. I need you to take that, you know, shuffle step from the dumbbell snatch to jumping into the box jump over. So, I think, yeah, I think there's a lot of athletes that live in one camp or the other yeah. when you should be, I, I would say an athlete should be progressing towards the point where they know how to attack the workout and maybe some more than others might just need kind of a sanity check with their coach. Like, Hey, I was thinking about doing two sets, but maybe three and a coach right. is like, yeah, three is not a bad idea, but it's not like, Hey, what do I do here? It's like, fuck man. That's a, like you got a, uh, a lot of mumbling, a lot of grumbling here. You that's acceptable. As long as you are trending in the direction of this is what I'm thinking based on this information. Yeah. If it's always, coach what do i do you're you're not you're not progressing on that side of things it's also definitely acceptable in the open 
because this fucking game of where is your box and did you quarter turn and like like the the yeah. nuance of transitions in the open does not show up almost anywhere else throughout the rest of the season. It's very very rare that that happens. And you can tell because if you watch the highest levels a lot of times it looks like they're going slow and that's why we would need like me out there doing the workout so people could see what like your everyday affiliate athlete <laughs> looks like compared to these people. But the op- some of these open workouts are fucking wild what you need to do. Like you can go in and execute perfectly inside of the movements and have pretty decent transitions and not do that well. Because again, you are taking four steps from your dumbbell to your box and sure. silly things like that. So it's definitely okay during the open. I just think that it should be anytime that you're relying on that as an athlete, it should be sort of that like, frosting on top, like sprinkle on top, you know, a luxury to have somebody there like really digging into like, yeah, I think the, the nitty gritty stuff, that's where a coach can be super helpful. But when we're talking like, Hey, what's my capacity? How do I break this up? It's like, that's where the coach is just like, like how, how like, you know, better than I, you should know better than I do. Like athletes should at least have a better idea than the coach does. And the, right. the less experienced you are, maybe the coach does have a slightly better idea. Maybe you've got a either overinflated or you just underestimate continuously underestimate yourself and you need the coach to help with that. But the ath- as the athlete, you need to be taking that information in and being able to say like, okay, I, I, I repeatedly underestimate myself. I need to pay attention to how I'm training, how I'm like going through these workouts so that I can start to put this stuff together on my own. And then a coach can help you with other kind of deeper, less than just surface level type stuff of like, hey, how do I do this workout? It's it's CrossFit workout. You've done about 800,000 of them in the last year. Yeah, I think a lot of people, especially in the Misfit community, put less eggs into the open basket this year, not in terms of not taking it seriously on the day that it shows up. But like letting that live inside of a vacuum and like training in the afternoon, training the days before really getting a great session in, you know, on the weekend when people normally would be obsessing over a redo. And that was very apparent within our discord group. And I think there's something to sort of getting permission from other athletes. You know, you see the highest level athletes posting in there. You know, we, we, we're looking at clean and jerk PRs. A bunch of them have come through just this morning. Um, People are PRing their clean and jerk during, you know, in season. That's like for us as coaches, like people are really listening. People are posting their Maffetone sessions. They're going in and doing that. So not only are we looking at a group that performed well during the open, I think there's going to be a stark difference between their quarterfinal scores and the people that obsessed over the open and potentially beat them during that time. That extra you can't stress. Do that. You can't do it. You can't do that anymore. That you cannot stop training. Just so much. It has just rob you of so much energy and the ability to kind of double down and focus on the part of the season that matters most. Like, and that's another reason why when athletes came to me and said, should I retest? And they're in that situation where I know they're going to know the next stage where I was like, you can't let that eat at you so much. You have to be able to make kind of sort of like make peace with what you've already done and realize that like, 
because everyone's asking, is this score good enough for quarterfinals? Is this score good enough for quarterfinals? And you know, that was a conversation I had a lot around the affiliate because we we're trying to put together an affiliate team uh, at Misfits in Portland. And you know, that was a conversation I have almost every Monday or you know over the weekend. Does quarterfinals qualify? Is this quarterfinals qualify? I'm like, you know, do yourself a favor, give yourself a little peace of mind. Go go look at the Be on the Whiteboard like Instagram because they do a really nice job of kind of breaking down like preliminary data of like what ten percent is. And I'm like, look at your score. Look at that. Like, you're okay. You might not have be up on the leaderboard where you want to be, but again, that's just extra stress. And if you're focusing on that and that's robbing you of your ability to focus on what you need to be doing, you're just, that's going to, again, subtract the ability to put all the energy you need to continue to move forward with your training, as opposed to kind of spinning your wheels in the mud and then hoping that like somehow the whatever seven days off between the opening quarterfinals this is obviously going to recharge you again to be ready to do quarterfinals. It's like, no, you've, you've done the work you need to do, get your training in and move on to the next training day. Yeah, I mean, for, for our followers, like this week is kind of a, is a lighter taper week. So it's not like, it's not like, hey, we finished up quarter or finished up the open. Let's ramp up for quarterfinals. It's like, no, you ramped up through 22.2 and 22.3. Yep. Those were, you know, those three open workouts were tra- were effectively training pieces for a lot of you, obviously with a, maybe a little bit more focus and emphasis, but like, if it's at now, if you spent so much time and kind of headspace thinking about, well, where am I at in the open? Am I going to, am I retesting? It's like, and you finally come out, the open's totally done. It's like, ah, okay, now I can reset toward quarterfinals. Like too late. It's here. Like you're just, <laughs> you're ta- you're tapering this week. It's like finishing touches. Um, and I could see, I could see instances where a lot of athletes are just like, I was so wrapped up in the open that I didn't really continue to train my best. I was always like Monday and Tuesday, I kind of dogged it a little bit because I was worried about my performance on Friday, that sort of thing. And it's like, those were your, those were three critical weeks of preparing for what should be a, you know, kind of a more seriously taken test for a lot of us. And that shit is not a one for one swap. No, No. (laughs) if you you were like, okay, you know what, Monday, I'm just pulling that Matt con out and I'm going to put the open workout in. Let's, let's not kid ourselves. That's just not the way that that works. And you honestly wouldn't want it to work that way. Like, you know, I'm just going to, you know, go through the motions today on my open redo. sounds great. Um, now comes a, a bit of a plug for comp block two, but I think, um, I think we can really tie this in and get people excited about the idea that I think one of the things that separates our program is that I, if you want to be a semifinals athlete, if you want to be a games athlete, I think you need to stay in line with that progression throughout the year. I really believe that both MFT and hatchet athletes should follow a more personalized version of semifinals prep. I think they should test semifinals workouts. I think if you want to be a semifinals team, you need to to test, you know, a lot of them with your team to see where you're at. And that's one thing that we do. So, so when you go into comp block two, you have two paths you can take. Path number one, I'm a semifinals athlete. It tells you right on the side, like I'm doing pieces one, three, seven, two, nine, 14, five B, carry the two, drop the nine. (laughs) Um, And then if you are an athlete who did not qualify, you are given the opportunity to personalize by saying, pick any three of these. That is very different from how we operate in our off season. Phases one through four are very targeted. We are going after specific things, mixing in the GPP. At this point in the year, we create a GPP model that the more you personalize it, the more it actually is GPP for you. So 
we are making sure that we're going into the semifinals saying we are not going to guess what these workouts are. We're going to have you ready for everything. But if you're not preparing for that, let's dial the volume back below a semifinals prep just a touch and you can go in and really pick. I do want to really want to get stronger right now. I'm going to pick both strength pieces on the pick three and then make sure I get my accessory done and only do one Metcon today. Like that's the sort of thing where through comp block two and comp block three, which takes us through the games where an athlete can really move the needle. And if you're saying to yourself, I want to wait for phase one, I want to wait for that targeted, you know, we're going in, you know, all in on the aerobic system and we're, you know, getting our deadlift figured out. Um, the, the welcome to misfit athletics period of time takes a little bit, uh, it hurts a little bit, hurts your heart, hurts your muscles, hurts your soul. And the earlier you start that, Helps the more ready. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. It's overreaching, right? Want to go in? Plug too, one of the more fun times of the season. I know we, you and I jump in occasionally with like Caroline is like being able to do some of those kind of outside the box type of things that aren't just the normal everyday 21, 15 nines. Like I really look at the, the kind of the semifinal into the games prep as one of the more fun times of the year, because you got some, you get some things in there that like, you know, when you know the open or quarterfinals is coming, you're kind of confined to this box of things that you can and can't do. But as you get into those semifinal and games prep stuff, there's some stuff that you don't normally get into, which I think is really, really fun. And like you just said, it does take some time to get up to speed. And then one last thing with the plug there with the doing the semifinals prep is that it can be another opportunity for you to see kind of where your gaps lie and you can make very targeted plans going into the following season. Because again, if you plan on being a high level competitor, it doesn't matter if you are really good at lifting or really good at cardio, you need to be good at all of these things. So it could kind of put a magnifying glass in the things that you currently, you know, maybe you said, oh, the open didn't test those things. And that's, I'm not going to use that as my, like my looking glass through my looking glass to kind of analyze my current fitness level. And now it's like so many different things are kind of available to you. There's more stimuli you can never imagine when it comes to this type of stuff. So, you know, go ahead. Plenty of work in there. Exactly. Go ahead first in that and then realize quickly, like, all right, these are the things that actually need to be moved. If I want to make that push, you know, next year, the year after or so on. April 4th. Did I make that up? Is that right? Oh, you're right. All right. April 4th is the beginning of comp block two. And if you're like, eh, you've piqued my interest, there will be an entire comp block two podcast that will drop next week. Once quarterfinals mania dies down a little bit. Um, I did want to address training camp a little bit within this. Um, Something has happened over the last two years in terms of um, content and programming permeating and really like what we're trying to do. We are trying in this room to remote coach the entire Misfit community. And obviously there's a lot of perspective shift and guess and check work on the coaches side as well. That coaches IQ lines up pretty damn well with the athlete IQ piece. Um, so we are always trying to be better at what we do, but there's a level of buy-in. Um, and you know, if you're listening to this podcast and you've been listening to it, you've been hearing me say this for a while now, but it's just that the difference between a uh, 2018 and today is night and day going into camp one of the things that we say over and over is I'd love to spend two hours with you on your toes to bar. But if we did that, we'd be here for a month kind of a thing. So I just hope you have something that you can take home with you. The amount of athletes that are posting about warmups and cool downs, it was hard as hell to get them to cool down at camp. Mm. So for them to like 
this is a cool down gang hashtag now. Like, like that's the type, <laughs> but that's the type that's of serious, thing yeah. where you get that adoption and athletes actually can quote unquote earn their volume, as we say, with a real warm up and a real cool down. You don't feel like someone punched you all over, you know, you didn't get the bar of soap in the sock <laughs> the next day, like what that kind that of like thing. Under? We're actually, <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> um, Is the soap frozen or? <laughs> So it's just there, there's something there's something special about where we're at right now, and I think people are really outside of the community going to start to take notice when they see quarterfinal scores, semifinals, games, and as we progress year after year with people really buying into this stuff because the words in the spreadsheet are only a portion of what we're trying to do. And if you're reading the articles and watching the podcasts and, you know, actually using the checking guides and all that, you are, you know, getting a budget version of remote coaching. And I'm just like super pumped and motivated as a coach because of the way that people were at camp. But even more importantly, like the fault, you know, what's happened afterwards. This has been awesome. Yeah, I've uh a handful of or you know after the weekend members were like hey how was camp how was camp and i was like reflecting had reflected just a little bit on it before and i was like i think it was by far the the highest quality of athlete and that's not to say that that hasn't been the case in previous camps i'm just saying like that goes to that speaks to like the the quality of athlete not just not in the like physical performance sense because there were there was a nice a big big spectrum of athletes but essentially everyone was like engaged and super interested in learning anytime we've traveled in the past there's always like the handful of folks who were just like you kind of like like are you like do you want to learn from us or are you just i didn't get to win anyone over yeah at at camp this time yeah exactly (laughs) it's like and and it pretty much everybody was like engaged and willing to listen and 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 wanting to to take stuff kind of back with them and i suspect some of that's because folks like actually paid to travel to Maine in the middle of in the middle of March. But yeah, the, the overall caliber of of athlete, especially like between the ears, as we were kind of joking about, like athletes not understanding, not being able to interpret their open performance and apply it like kind of opposite side of the coin was like the number of athletes that we had at camp who like we're thinking about those things who have like shot me a message like hey can you share that spreadsheet with of like calories per minute and like pace per 500 like all those sorts of things like people are interested people are like are consuming the content and applying it and it's paying off and that's the that's like kind of the the checkbox for us for sure I also think there's like that that hive mind that comes from camp too, because like I have athletes that I've been working with for over a year plus now who like you go to like Wadapalooza and you're like, all right, we just did this really, really terrible workout. They can like the handstand push up muscle up workout. And I'm like, all right, let's cool down. They're like, yeah, you know, like, like someone wants me over here. I got, I got to go. And like there's the coach we're trying, always trying to like set an athlete up best for what's coming next. But like, it's so great when you get into this type of environment and you bring people around one another and you see what happens when something like the cool down is adopted. And now like I, every single day I'm getting a text from those same athletes. Like, remember all those times you tried to get me to cool down? Well, I'm doing it now. And wow, I feel so much better. And it's just like, 
I'm fine. I'm glad it camp had to happen. If that's the reason why you started to adopt it now, like I don't really care what the reason is why, but that you're doing it now is what makes me proud to see. And I want all those athletes out there to realize that like, maybe that is the 1% that we talked about at camp the things that you aren't doing. That's going to move the needle. And again, like you said, allow you to earn the volume that you've been desperately wanting to do. But now that volume isn't just doing it to do it, but it's doing it and making you a lot better. Yeah. And it's funny because sometimes, uh, we talk about flow state being that place where your the, the challenge itself and the high skill level or what create mm. that. So when you say to someone two or three, 12 minute walks a day will completely like eradicate the soreness that fucks up your training sessions. They're like, really? You sure about that? Like not about a lot. I need don't my need norm attack d- with attached, <laughs> attached to my neck. Don't need a lot of skill. Not that challenging. Eh. Like a lot of athletes that have that type A personality that are willing to go there, see something like that. And they're like, cool. Sounds good. So we need something like a training camp where like, I'm literally chasing people around being like, no, 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 you're not over there yet. And it's, well, I need this supplement and I need that. And it's like, no, your body wants that a lot more right now than it does, you know, whatever concoction you're mixing up over here. Um, and it's funny because you get, you got some of the looks from people. And then eventually by the end, people were almost cooling down on their own after that last one. And then we get a new hashtag is born. On, on well, one of my favorite things at camp was people would you know, go to lunch break. And if there wasn't a lecture, like right after lunch, people were on like C2 bikes, like a half hour before camp restarted back up. Cause like, you know what? My body like wants this. It wants to like rewake itself up for our next session so I can get more from it. So like, again, that is the ultimate goal with all of this in the media that we try to put out there is to try to create these habits that we know are going to make you a more successful athlete. And now the more you put into to practice, the more consistent you are with that practice, the more benefit you're going to have. So again, you started the positive momentum in that direction. Keep doing it. Any uh, comments or questions, Ted? Yeah, we got the first one is from Kevin C. Murphy. Can you guys speak to mindset when a workout surprises you in a bad way? As an individual prone to panic attacks, when the negative thoughts start, when a workout isn't going my way, it's easy to blow up and fall apart. This is amplified in the open. And then also, thanks for the program. It's awesome, guys. Um, my, my very first thought is asking yourself questions like, have I been here before? Do I go here in training? Um, is this, am I stressed out because of like a, like a, like a longer term underlying thing, or am I stressed out because I didn't necessarily put the work in starting, you know, in comp block two and going all the way back around to comp block one. Mm. Um, that's, that's when an athlete can decide, okay, I don't need to be stressed out, but I need to commit to really going there next year. Or like I do go there already. And, you know, we, we had a pretty high level athlete ask a very similar question at camp. And it's like, how did you qualify? How did you get here? If you don't belong here, like there was a very serious selection process <laughs> coming into this. And that's how you ended up within this actual spot. So it's the same idea. Have you gone there, you know, calling back on like, okay, so we've done this stimulus before. How did it go? What did I learn from it? Like that sort of thing. So those would be the two places that I would ask an athlete to go mentally in that scenario. I would piggyback on that too, that that's something you practice too. If you, if you immediately go into negative headspace, like you need to get yourself out of that. And sometimes that's literally a training piece where like, Oh, I'm fucking dying. I can't hold the, whatever the 145 on the row anymore. And it's like, all right, 
Wait, no, I can. I just did it for five more seconds and I did it for 10 more seconds. And it's something you have to kind of talk your way into. Because again, if you are talking yourself down in the middle of a workout, that's, that's that negative energy is not going to be fuel to propel you to go in the positive direction. It's just going to keep dragging you further and further back. So to me, I, I, you have to change your mindset through deliberate practice. You have to say, all right, I can do this for 10 more seconds. I can do this for 15 more seconds. I mean, one of the talks I remember at one of our training camps down in, uh, I think it was Fort Worth, you were talking about one day you'd gone for one of your long runs and all of a sudden the, like the breeze changed directions. All of a sudden your pace got 30 seconds faster. And it's like a five mile an hour breeze blowing a different direction for 30 seconds. Made and it I, was run, so I was running uphill into the wind yeah. and thought I was going to die and then running downhill and like not really noticing that like, this is way easier. Why am I only focusing on the fact that when I turn around, I'm getting blown down this hill and I'm not <laughs> respecting it at all. Hmm. And then when I turn around and run, I'm being a huge baby about that. And it's funny because we've, you know, for years made jokes about hating an inanimate object makes absolutely no sense. Okay. Coach, I hate thrusters. How do you feel about front squats? I love them. Shoulder overhead, love them. Are you fit? Yes. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like I've had that conversation with many <laughs> a high level athlete. Like this is fitness. This this thing that you're obsessing over, you know, maybe you do way too big of sets. Maybe you are like trying to do the thrusters as fast as humanly possible. You need to slow the hell down. Maybe you're trying to slow the hell down and your muscle endurance is being, you know, pushed to the limit for no reason. So I think the only thing I would add to that is is more on the preparation side. It's like realistically, like did were you really caught off guard by a workout? Like if you the odds that you knew that there is some movement or movement combination that wasn't in your wheelhouse and then to like have it pop up and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they would do this is like what? Like you you had to have known you have to, you had to have known that that was not something that would be like ideal if it came up and if that's where your kind of like thought process stopped as in like man i really hope this doesn't come up doesn't think about it until it comes up in the open like that's a preparation problem mm. um and like we said you like every year unless this is the first year you're doing crossfit like you have that opportunity every year because the open whether you thought it was a good test or not probably expose some degree of holes in your game and we'll continue to do that every year and if you're not taking that information and practicing it then it's like it's acceptable to be like oh i know that deadlifts deadlifts are not a strong movement for me um but this is how i can this is how i've like learned to kind of make them better for me or something uh, like fool that. me like fool me once shame on like you yeah, fool me twice, like, shame on yeah. Me. so and may maybe maybe this maybe that person is like totally new and that's fine like it's a learning experience yeah. and you have the information to move forward next year but if you've done this year after year and you're always like oh my god i can't believe they would do this to me it's like okay right i got another question uh ian arswald arswald excuse me not oswald any opportunities to work as a remote coach for misfit um so this is going to be a long-winded answer so bear with me uh Right now, the only way to do so would be uh, moving to Maine and becoming a member at Misfit Gym Portland, because not only um, would you probably need to have some sort of coaching experience with us, you can't have any coaching experience with us without immersing yourself in the community first. Um, the like, bro, are you serious? You want me to move to Maine so I can be a member at your gym? Uh, answer would be we are planning on having three training camps this year. Um quarterfinals prep, summer camp, which is very community driven, which would be an excellent opportunity. And then in the fall, um, 
you know, how to, 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 to dig into off season training as an athlete, um, where we're going to take a deeper dive and potentially spend three or four days on that. Um, and then eventually the hope is for that fourth camp a year, um, to start out as a coach's camp. And this is something that's super important to us, um, which is a bit of a double-edged sword. So like, yes, we want to make it happen, but we also want it to be, you know, really robust and be exactly what we want it to be. So we are going to take the time to make sure that that coaching certification that you can get through Misfit Athletics is exactly what we want it to be. So in the future, there will be opportunities for people to take like a prerequisite online course, either come here or wherever that coaching summit is to, to really dig into the way that we coach. Um, so that's more of, I guess, the long-term mm. answer to that. Um, but yeah, immerse yourself in the community. Um, I don't, I don't recognize your name, Ian. Um, and that could be my fault or it could be your fault. Um, just in terms of like, if we are, we take this very seriously, we could have hired, I don't know, a dozen more by now and have a lot more remote clients, which in theory is more money. That's how you run a business. Right. But, um, who the coaches are, how they perform, what this means, how we scale, all that is something that we're just never going to compromise. So, yeah, it's very important to us that, you know, we, we are set with the way th things are set up so that, you know, you don't go to someone who says they're a misfit coach. And it's like, this feels so different from what I've heard on their YouTube channel or when I've come to their camp or I've seen them work with athletes. So, you know, the, <laughs> we joke because we get these inquiries to our gym too. Like how they come work for you. And it's like, you got, you got to become a member yep, first. Membership's 179 a month. Yeah. <laughs> so again, I think if, if you're looking to kind of start on this path of being eventually being someone who could potentially come to a camp and work with us, you know, taking a deep dive into the programming, you know, looking back on all the programming. So you subscribe to that complete tier and see like how things have gone over there. You read all the articles, you, you know, um, take up all the media and just you know watch those videos and listen to the podcast. Because again, you know, there isn't only one way to do things, but a lot of that's going to be like, all right, how do I put myself in the headspace of the way that these guys think? Because we want to make sure that like we are delivering a very specific message to the world. And, you know, the best way to kind of get on that path is to kind of listen to the conversations we've had amongst one another with other people. And just, I think the media is a great place to start. Boom. All right, ladies and gents, preseason is over. Quarterfinals are this Thursday. Our number one priority during quarterfinals is our athletes that are doing quarterfinals. And priority 1B is getting content out to the masses. It's obviously very important to us. Our sort of rhythm and our schedule is subject to change Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but we will be around. We will be um, one of the things that we're going to try to do potentially on Friday is uh, what I'm thinking of as quote unquote office hours for athletes. Um, and that will be sort of that will be within our discord, which is open to the public discord.gg forward slash misfit athletics. Um, yeah, uh, I, I like am too excited to so put into up. words like we've just We've just had, I don't know, this this is my favorite offseason that we've ever had by far. Um, and I can't wait to see how athletes perform this weekend as long as they rely on their athlete IQ the entire time. Damn right. Yep. Anything to add, guys? I think we're good. All right. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Misfit Podcast. Thank you to our show sponsors, properfuel.co. Use the code word MISFIT to save 10% on any and all orders. 
properfuel.cl forward slash join the pack if you would like to apply to be a brand ambassador and work your way towards a sponsorship. Sharpentheaxco.com. Use the code word Keala, K-E-A-L-A. You save 10%. We donate 10%. Misfitathletics.com in the Sugar Wad Marketplace. Try two weeks of programming for free or if you are at an affiliate and want to stay in the, immersed in the community, but also want to follow Misfit Athletics, bother your affiliate owner, your head coach, teammisfit.com or the Sugar Wad Marketplace. See you next time.